0: All right, and today we, um, it's a little different. This is more of a teaching sermon than a preaching sermon, but it's the stuff we uh, need to deal with. Um, and we're going to look today at contemporary challenges uh, to the Bible. And we're going to uh, spend most of our time looking at manuscripts and, uh, and variants. Um, first of all, I'll describe what a manuscript is. If you don't know what a manuscript is, basically we're talking about handwritten copies of uh, the New Testament, a manuscript could be a handwritten copy of, of any ancient document, basically uh, before the time of the printing press. Uh, this is important because if you've been at all alive in culture, <laughs> uh, talking to people about Christianity, or maybe someone finds out you're a Christian, and they kind of bring up the Bible, and, and, and uh, I've had numerous conversations throughout my Christian life, and you probably have too, uh, where people will say, well, you can't really trust the Bible, that it's been changed as it's been copied and there's been so many translations that the original version has been lost and uh, that we, we don't even have the originals. Uh, that's been maybe corrupted by Constantine who added in Jesus being God or the, the Trinity and, and you just can't trust it. That There's actually more errors in the manuscripts and there are words in the New Testament and I don't know, you've maybe you've heard some of those in conversations you've had with people. And, uh, and it's important that we're informed uh, you probably won't memorize everything that I say today, but then maybe you can take a few things home with you that can help you. Or maybe uh, you've been unsettled about some of these things. Um, so we're going to talk, talk through some of those things. Uh, one fellow who has spoken out quite a bit about uh, the scriptures and how we as Christians shouldn't be able to trust our Bible. And it really is someone who attacks Christianity is Dr. Bart Ertman. And uh, he says this. Uh, Not only do we not have the originals, he's talking about the original manuscripts. We don't have the first copies of the originals. We don't even have copies of the copies of the originals or copies of the copies of the copies of the originals. What we have are copies made uh, later, much later. In most instances, they are copies made many centuries later. And these copies all differ from one another in many thousands of places. And, you know, he's kind of right on that because when we look at all of our manuscripts, excluding the little fragments, there's actually no two manuscripts that's exactly the same. Uh, These copies differ from one another in so many places that we don't even know how many differences there are. Possibly it is easiest to put it in comparative terms. There are more differences among our manuscripts than there are words in the New Testament. And, And he's right. Uh, there are actually more variants, and a variance is an error, or difference in the manuscripts, than there are actually words in our New Testament. And if you were to chart this out, there's about 140,000 words in the Greek New Testament. When you look at all uh, our manuscripts, you know there's there's about 400,000 variants in our manuscripts. That's more variants than there are words in our New Testament, and. And Bart Ertman will love to kind of put this out and and say, look, you can't trust your Bible. And you see, you guys, Christians, you're just believing in some sort of myth. And you don't really know what the original says. You should give it up. And sadly, uh, some Christians who have, you know, maybe read his book or listened to this have said, well, I guess we really can't trust our Bible. But we got to look at this in maybe a different way. Uh, Let me uh, tell you a little story. Oh, maybe I wrecked it now. Uh, There's a woman who's at work, okay, he's working away, and as she's at work, a cougar jumps out of the bush and begins attacking her leg, and there's all these people standing around, watching this happen, they don't do anything. So, a woman's at work, gets attacked by a cougar, there's all these people standing around, and they don't do anything, they just kind of watch, and actually, some of them laugh at what's going on. Now, you hear that story, and you're immediately like, "That's, that's horrible, and this woman gets attacked by the cougar, why weren't these people doing anything? You can hear something, but as soon as you add more information into the picture, it entirely changes the story. And so here's the real story. Uh, this woman works at a zoo, and this little baby cougar jumps out of the bush and kind of play fighting, attacks her leg, and all these people watching, laughing, because they're all having fun. So you see how a little bit of extra information completely changes the story? Well, this is exactly what we're talking about when uh, we say things like there are more errors in our manuscripts than there are words in the New Testament. Initially, that's like, whoa, I mean, that's freaky. I mean, I don't know about this Christian thing. Maybe we can't trust our Bible. It's like, okay, let's add a little bit more information into our picture, information that those people who like to challenge the Bible often don't like to speak about. And so this is what we are going to talk about today. Now, first of all, as Uh, Dr. Daniel Wallace, he's one of the leading Greek scholars in the world. He actually digs up manuscripts and studies them. When it comes to the New Testament, he says that we have an embarrassment of riches. In other words, when it comes to our manuscripts and the reliability of our manuscripts, it's an embarrassment of riches compared to any other ancient text out there. Uh, We have... Uh, over 5,800 Greek manuscripts, and this number keeps on increasing because they dig them up all the time. They're always finding new ones. Over 10,000 Latin manuscripts. Other ancient versions like Syriac, Copa, and Georgian, they don't even know how many, but we know we have uh, more than uh, 5,000 because we don't have scholars necessary to be able to decipher all of these things. And even if you were able to get rid of all of our manuscripts, just from quotations from the church father, we have... Uh, over a million quotations of the new testament just from our church fathers so if you got rid of all of our manuscripts you could actually put together our new testament many times over from just quotes from church fathers now now how does this compare now why is this an embarrassment uh, of riches and i should also add that we have very old manuscripts in fact one of the oldest ones that was just just discovered dates uh, 80 to 90 AD, a little fragment that's about 20 to 30 years after the original. So the original is written, we have a piece of the New Testament about 20 to 30 years after the originals. Now, how does this compare? This this is why this is important. Let's take some of the major historians where we kind of get some major history from ancient history from around the time of Jesus or uh, before some Greek historians. Uh, We have Livy, Tatus, and Suetonius. These three are where we get about 90% of what we know about the Roman Empire, the early Roman Empire from. About 90% of what we know about Roman Empire comes from these three people. The, they have, uh, Livy has 27 manuscripts. That's all we have. And remember, we have like more than 20,000 for the New Testament. Uh, Tacitus has three. We only have three surviving manuscripts. Suetonius, we have 200, so that's a lot. But do you know the oldest copy of Livy we have is about 400 years after the original? It's the oldest copy we have. Uh, for Tacitus and Suetonius, it's about 800 years. The oldest manuscript we have is an 800-year gap from the time they actually wrote it to the copy we have. That's a big gap. Now, remember, for us, it's, we're talking 20 to 30 years. Now, imagine if our oldest New Testament manuscript was 800 years after the original. Could you imagine the attacks on the Bible if it was an 800-year gap when we only are dealing with 20 or 30? Or uh, uh, Thucydides and Herodotus, they're sort of the fathers of uh, Greek history. Again, it's about 4 to 500 years after is the oldest manuscript we have. Uh, we only have 20 and 75 of those. Now, here's why this is important. Uh, look what scholars say. Uh, Dr. Craig Evans says, no recognized classical historian doubts the ri- liability of the manuscripts. That's the ones from ancient history that we just looked at. Even if produced more than 1,000 years after the original. In other words, we look at those uh, Roman and Greek historians and say, yeah, that's what happened. We study it like it's fact, like it's true. Yet the oldest manuscripts we have are like 4 to 1,000, even more after the fact. Uh, uh, Apologist Gregor- Gregory Kokel said this. Uh, For most documents of antiquity, only a handful of manuscripts exist, some facing a time gap of 800 to 2,000 years or more. Scholars, nevertheless, are confident that they have accurately reconstructed the text of the originals. In fact, virtually all of our knowledge of ancient history depends on documents like these. And the point is this. If you at all are willing to throw out the reliability of New Testament manuscripts that you say at all that we can't really know what they said, you will have to absolutely throw out every other piece of ancient history, including the Roman Empire. I I mean, there's far more evidence that that, uh, Jesus died and rose again in the stories of the gospel than there is that Alexander the Great existed. Uh, there's just way more manuscripts, way closer manuscripts to the originals. I mean, it truly is an embarrassment of riches. Uh, and and so the point here, forget everything else, is, is look, if you can't trust the New Testament, you can't trust anything else in history. And the difference in terms of manuscript evidence is, is this. Here's the tallest building in the world in Dubai. Let's say you stood right at the very, very base, way down a little, little little bit of you. There's you, and then there's the Dubai skyscraper. Not just one, but let's put two of those on top of each other. You would represent the amount of manuscripts for the average classical ancient author. Two of those skyscrapers would represent the amount of manuscripts we have for the New Testament. I mean, it's kind of the evidence difference we're talking. Yet people say, well, oh, we can't really trust, you know, what's in the Bible. It's like... We trust what happened in Rome. We trust, for the most part, what happened in the Greek Empire. We trust for that what happened mostly in history. Yet, I mean, you've got to challenge people in this. Because we're talking about a massively different amount of, of evidence. It truly is an embarrassment of, of riches. Now, how about some of our oldest uh, documents? Because some people say, you know, well, there's this huge time gap between the originals and, and the oldest fragments we have. Again, For a lot of classical Roman and Greek history, we're talking 400 years to 800 years to even up to 2,000 sometimes. Uh, P52 for the longest time was the oldest fragment. They found it in 1930s. And uh, the fragment is is dated at about 130 AD. John was written sometime in 90 AD. So uh, they were talking maybe about 40-year gap between the original and this little fragment of, of John. And prior to this, uh, those who were critical against Christianity said that John had to have been written sometime in the late, you know, second century, maybe early third century, until they found this, and it was dated at 130 AD. And and by the way, you can't have a copy until y- you have the original, right? So they had to, oh okay, oh yeah, maybe it's dated early. But they found last year another little fragment of Mark that dates to about 80 or 90 AD, and it's going to be uh, published sometime this year. Uh, But what they have been finding is they've been finding some of these ancient death masks uh, are made kind of like we do papier-mâché. So they would take these ancient uh, pieces of scroll and papyrus and they'd make papier-mâché masks. Well, they found out through just uh, using dish soap that they can actually take all these uh, uh, pieces of paper apart and you can read them. And they have tons that they need to sort through. But they have found a fragment of the Gospel of Mark between 80 and 90 A.D. Mark was written in 60 A.D., so it's like 20 to maybe 30-year gap. That is, is amazing and incredible when you're talking about gaps in terms of any other book out there. Roman history, 400 years to 800 years. And we're like, yeah, we know what happened back then. 20 years. I mean, these date very early. This idea of big gaps uh, really is non-existent. In fact, some people argue, again, that the original autographs were quickly destroyed and, and, uh, and, and they, they weren't a lo- around very long. But we know they were. Tertullian, uh, for instance, says, and he's ri- ri- uh, writing in 190 AD, t- he suggests that the original autographs of 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Philippians, First and 2 Thessalonians, Ephesians, and Romans were available at the end of the 2nd century. They were still around. And because people were so painstakingly copy these texts, if there were any errors, they would have been easily able to go back and check them. Uh, the Bishop of Alexandria in 311 AD said this, the autographs itself of the evangelist John, talking about the Gospel of John, and he says, which up to this day has been by divine grace been reserved in the most holy church of Ephesus. So in 300 AD, you could actually go and see the original copy of the Gospel of John. And so this means that the copies that we have and the fragments we have are coexistent with the uh, original documents. Again, this idea of time gaps is uh, isn't really an argument. Dr. Craig Evans, who is a, a great biblical scholar, said this: uh, the evidence of longevity suggests that the autographs and the first copies of uh, remained in circulation until the time of our earliest. Uh, extant papyri, that's the stuff that we have today, the phones we have found. And these papyri remain in circulation until the production of the first grace codices in the fourth century. That's the these really ancient Bibles that we have today. And so, this idea of long gaps, it, it, it just doesn't exist when it comes to the Bible. It exists with Roman history, it exists with Greek history, it exists with all those other things, yet we say we trust that and we can't trust the Bible. I, I mean, really, it's quite foolish. Now, what about variants? Uh, This uh, scary number (laughs) that scares some people. that There are more variants in the Bible than words in uh, the New Testament. So if you took all of our Greek manuscripts and laid them out, you would find that there's about 400,000 differences in these manuscripts. And we only have 140,000 words in our Greek New Testament. So Bar Ehrman will say, you you can't trust your Bible. There's more errors in it than there are truths. I mean, you might as well give give up on your faith. Uh, what, uh, what are we talking about here? What is a variant? It basically is this, a place among the manuscripts in which there is a variation in wording, word order, additions, or omissions of words and spelling. Uh, so an example would be this. Let's say we had five different manuscripts, and they all read a little bit different. Here we see there's spelling mistakes, and there's this word order is a difference. We would say in these five manuscripts there are seven variants, so if you only had one manuscript, you would have no variants. But if you had another one side by side and there's something different, that would count as a variant. So in these five, we have seven variants. Now, if each of these were copied 100 times, we would have 700 variants. And the reason we have 400,000-plus variants is because we have so many Manuscripts. Because every manuscript that's different adds to a variant. And the ancient classical Romans, who only have like three or 27, I mean, you cannot have as many variants because there's not as many uh, manuscripts. So the more manuscripts you have, the more variants you have. Now, what are these errors in uh, the manuscripts? (laughs) Seventy cents are spelling. 70% of the errors are are just spelling mistakes. Now I spelled that wrong, and do we not know what it means? Of course we know what it means. (laughs) I mean 77 uh, spelling mistakes, even if you spell it wrong, you can still totally figure out. It doesn't change the text at all. In fact, the most common spelling mistake or grammar or whatever you might call it is what's called in Greek the movable new, which is basically the same as in English when we go, we can go, we go an apple. It's not a apple, it's an apple. We put a little N. Same in Greek. Lots of places where they have an end, lots of places where they don't have an end. Uh, It's one of the most common mistakes in our manuscripts. Again, does that make us go, well, we don't really know what's going on here. There's an end there, and this one doesn't have an end, and we can't figure out what this is saying. See, Jesus isn't God. This is what most of the errors are. You see, a little bit more information changes the whole picture. The other most common error is this, is the word the. And so we have a... More approximately 138 words, thousand words in the Greek New Testament. 20,000 of those words is the word "the," and Greek is kind of funny because you can stick "the"s all over the place. In Greek, you could say, you know, "the Jesse went to the store and he bought you know the candy bar," you know, "the candy the bar" or whatever. You can have the "the"s there. You cannot have the "the"s there. Lots of places in the text. There are some places that have more "the"s and less "the"s. But does that change what it says? I mean, if I say, the Jesse went to the store and bought the candy bar, or I said, Jesse went to the store and bought the candy bar, are we like, no, I really don't know what he said there. I mean, this is really confusing. I mean, I guess we've got to throw out the bot- No, we totally know what it a- These are the kind of variants we're talking about. Uh, another kind of variant is word order. So sometimes we'll see, you know, Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus, or, you know, word just put a little bit differently. Uh, and, you know, in the Greek, word order isn't really all that important. You can change words up, and it still means the exact same thing. In fact, if you take the phrase, John loves Mary in English, there are over 500 ways you could put that in the Greek, and it means the exact same thing. You could mix up the word order, because word order isn't really dependent so much in Greek. It's more the endings. If you added change the word love and use another uh, uh, Greek word for love, you could do that 1,200 ways, and it would mean the exact same thing. I mean, Greek can be a very complex language. So sometimes with word order, uh, there are variations in manuscripts, but it, again, does not change the meaning at all. Maybe you can look at it this way. Let's say you had a recipe. Um, It was your grandma's recipe, and you had it written down, and it was kind of a secret recipe, but it was made the best cookies ever. And let's say some of your friends say, hey, could I have a copy of that recipe? They're like, okay. So, they come over and they, they copy down your recipe, and you got five or six friends who copy down the recipe, and then some of their friends copy down the recipe. So, you have all these recipes out there, and then you lose your original. And you say, Man, I want some cookies. So, you phone up your friends, and they phone up their friends, so you get all these copies back. So, you got like 50 copies of this recipe down, and you look at them and say, Wow, there's a lot of variants here. But then you look again, Well, what kind of variants are you talking about? Maybe one person put uh, the short version, you know, CP dot or something there. Uh, one person dropped the S here. One sp- person, you know, took out the, the little punctuation there. Maybe, maybe, maybe even one person put the, the sugar before the salt or something like that. And, and she had all these variants, but you still could totally come up with the original recipe. Because they're just talking about spelling or punctuation or maybe a little bit of word, word order. I mean, nothing is lost there, even if you don't have the original and this is exactly what we're talking about when it comes with the New Testament. Uh, very minor, minor issues. And so out of the 400,000 variants, there are only about 1,500 to 2,000 meaningful variants that are mostly a result of scribal errors of sight or hearing, yet not one major doctrine of Christianity is affected. This is less than 1%. So 99% of the variants are absolutely pretty much meaningless they don't change the text they don't change any doctrine they don't change any 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 issue Uh, Dr. Wayne Grudem said this when we say that the original manuscripts were inerrant that that is without error because we believe they're God-breathed we're also implying that over 99% of the words in our present manuscript are also inerrant for they are exact copies of the original furthermore we know Uh, where the uncertain readings are. Thus, our present manuscripts are, for the most purposes, the same as the original manuscripts. And here's the deal. Bart Ehrman, remember he said this? These copies differ from one another in so many places that we don't even know how many differences there are. Possibly, it is easiest to put it in a comparative terms, there are more differences among our manuscripts than there are words in the New Testament. He's one who kind of fights against Christianity, and, and yet, you know what he says? Because he studies this stuff, he says this, The essential Christian beliefs are not affected by textual variance in the manuscript tradition of the New Testament. There is not a single major doctrine that is affected by any variant. Uh, Jesus being God, died, rose again, salvation, forgiveness, grace. None of those are affected by any variants. And we can trace them right back almost to the originals. I mean, what we have now is what they wrote then. Now, what about this 1%? So we say 99% of the variants are, don't really matter. But 1%, they call them meaningful Variance. In other words, they actually do change the text a little bit. And this is why we need to be careful about pe- people who say, every word in this book is exactly what God put. Well, we could say, you know, probably 99%. Uh, but, you know, just even the, say, the 1984 version of the NIV to the newer one, there's about 12 differences in here made because they've discovered new manuscripts. We can be 99% sure, but not 100% sure because there is this 1% of variants in our text and uh let me just show you some and by the way in case you think this one percent is really secret it's never secret they're always at the bottom of your bible they're they're, they're not secret if you want like what are these secret variants uh, they're always there here's here's an instance mark nine uh they're trying to cast out a demon and G- and the disciples say jesus said this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer and you see a little two and at the bottom, it says some manuscripts add and fasting. So, did you see these kind of can only come by prayer or is it prayer and fasting? We don't know for sure. Some manuscripts say prayer, some say and fasting. Uh, most scholars think that it was just prayer because those are the earlier earlier manuscripts. We don't know for sure. But it's not a secret. It's not some mystery. You just got to look at the bottom of your page, and you go, oh, like, there it is. There's the variant, okay? Another example. Uh, Revelation 13.8, and this one's fun. The number of the beast. uh, For it is the number of a man, and his number is 666. But do you know they have some manuscripts that say 616? In fact, our oldest manuscript has 616. Uh, So are we 100% positive that the number of the beast is 666? No, we're not. It, it could be 616, but most scholars think that it's, uh, but I mean, this, these aren't major doctrines. It doesn't change anything major when it comes to our faith. They're all kind of minor issues like this, and they're right there in your Bible. It's not some kind of conspiracy secret uh, thing. Another one would be Matthew 20. Uh, the, the blind men say, Lord, have mercy on us. Some manuscripts omit Lord, so some have just uh, the, them saying, have mercy on us. Some say, Lord, have mercy on us. It's right there in, in your Bible at the bottom. That's no secret. It doesn't change any major doctrine, but it just changed, well, maybe we don't quite know what that what that guy said. There's some bigger ones, and here's some of the, the probably the most major uh, meaningful variants in our Bible. Uh, for instance, the woman caught in adultery. Uh, your Bible will probably say this. The earliest manuscripts do not include verses seven fifty three to eight eleven. In other words, the story of the woman in adultery, that, that that our best manuscripts we have don't have that story in it. It comes in kind of kind of later, and uh, most scholars believe that it was actually a true story because there were lots of stories of things that Jesus did that weren't necessarily in the gospel. That it was maybe added in as a later added in later. Uh, but again, it's dealing with nothing major doctrinally or anything. So most scholars think this is probably not part of the original, but a true story of Jesus. Uh, another one is the, the whole ending of the Gospel of Mark. You'll see this in your Bible. Some of the earliest manuscripts do not include 16, uh, 9 to 20. And it's the, the end of the Gospel of Mark. Uh, some people think that it was lost and maybe someone just kind of added something. But, but because we have so many manuscripts... We can trace where these variants came in. We can be pretty sure what the original is. But we're again, we're only talking about 1% of the text. And It has nothing to do with any major doctrines or major things that we teach. Very minor issues. And lastly, uh, we have some missing verses. And this might fit into that 1%. If you compare like the good old King James Version or the New King J- James Version, which is an updated language of the King James Version, to any modern translation, you will find about 35 verses, verses missing. You'll be reading along. Here's some examples. And we, when we're going through the book of Matthew, we pointed some of those out. you would be reading uh, Matthew 17, 20, and all of a sudden it goes to 17, 22. And you're like, where'd 21 go? They <laughs> so forget to print it. I mean, why did it disappear? Is there some sort of conspiracy in there? Maybe, uh, maybe some secret verse that the church didn't want anybody to know about. Uh, no, it's because <laughs> here's the deal. And here's just another example. Uh, Before we get to the deal, Uh, Romans 8, 1 in the King James Version says there is therefore now no condemnation for those which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Any modern translation will dump this whole last phrase and only say, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why are there missing verses? Why do our modern translations dump this last verse? Those who are King James only people, if you've heard of those people, they're very fundamentalistic and say, King James Version is the only Bible, and they believe every word was inspired, which you can't back that up at all with any uh, scientific or real evidence. But uh, here's the deal. When the King James Version was translated from Greek to English, they only had seven Greek manuscripts, only seven. And the earliest one was from the 11th century. When they made the King James, they only had seven manuscripts, very, very late manuscripts. And you know what's amazing? With only seven manuscripts that were very, very late, they came up with an amazing translation with seven manuscripts. However, today we have (laughs) 5,800 Greek manuscripts. They date way back to just 20-year, 30, 40-year gap. And because we have so many new manuscripts, so many older, that there's actually a whole science called textual criticism, where these people just pour over these texts, you know, tracing some of these little variants and stuff, uh, that, I mean, they're quite sure that these verses, because none of the earlier texts have them, and that is why uh, some of the verses are missing in our newer translations. And so the newer our translations get, the better they get. That little 1% gets more and more refined, Uh, Daniel Wallace who is again one of the leading scholars of today in the in the area of textual uh, management he says that these variants meaningful ones are down to a quarter of a percent quarter of a percent I mean again so this idea of this manuscripts can't trust and these time gaps and there's all these variants I mean you just hear 400,000 variants it's freaky but there's more to the story and the real Uh, aspect of the story is 99, perhaps 0.75 of those variants don't really change the text at all. Spelling very small differences. Last quote, uh, Dr. William Lane Craig says this, the text of the New Testament is thus about 99% established. That means when you pick up a New Testament today, you can be confident that you are reading the text as it was originally written. Moreover, that 1%, that remains uncertain, has to do with trivial words on which nothing of importance hangs. This means Jesus really was who he was. Jesus really died. He really rose again. We really can experience grace and forgiveness. And there means there's a God who loves you incredibly. It means that he wants to be in a relationship with you. It means you can have a new start on life. I mean, this is true stuff. And to throw out the Bible means you have to throw out everything else in history. And that would be silly. And so I would suggest you trust history, and you trust this book, and you live for Jesus. Let's pray. Let's stand, actually, as the worship team comes up. Ah, Father, we thank you for this book. We thank you, God, for how the words on this page lead us to Jesus and how he transforms us. We thank you uh, for your incredible grace in our lives. We thank you for working in our lives. We thank you uh, for your beauty in our lives. And God, we, we thank you. You love us and that you love us so very, very much. In Jesus' name.